0: We're in Hebrews 12, looking at verses 1 through 3. And so if you have a Bible, you can open there, turn it on there, or just look at the screen. So we're in Hebrews 12. This is God's word to us this morning. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you, won't grow weary and give up. It begins, and in, in this we see, let us run with endurance. The race, the Christian life is a race. And this Greek word for race is agona, which, which uh, sounds, you know any English words that start with agon, agony. That's the word for a race. Isn't that so fitting? Those of us that hate running, we're like, yes, that's it. That's the word for race, agony, torture. And then he says endurance. I hear marathon language when I hear agony and endurance. I'm hearing marathon. That's what the writer of Hebrews is inviting us into this morning, which is a problem for me. I have a real problem with Hebrews 12. I have this thing with marathons. You guys know, you guys that have been around for a while, you know my bucket list. You only know one thing that's on my bucket list, and it has to do with marathons. Running is voluntary torture. One of the things on my bucket list is to never run a marathon. (laughs) And so far, I'm totally nailing that goal. You can't convince me it's worth it. I am so settled in my unbelief. My heart is rock hard. It's like granite when it comes to marathons. You just won't convince me. I don't get it, okay? I could run a marathon playing basketball. Maybe if you just, you know, pick up game, I could probably run 26.2 miles, but not just a straight marathon. Uh, So here it is. And yet, here's the problem. I have a problem with marathons. And yet, here's the great irony of this. I like you, if you are a follower of Jesus, have chosen a much harder, more grueling 24 7 marathon called the Christian life. We are running a marathon if we're following Jesus. Why? Why would anyone choose this voluntarily? Well, if you stick around to the very end of the sermon, uh, we'll answer that question, why? But first, there are, the Christian life is a race, and there are six things that you need to run that marathon. We see that in Hebrews 12. And he begins with this, Verse 12, one, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, if you've been around the last four weeks, we've been in chapter 11 talking about these, these heroes of the faith, Old Testament, Moses, Noah, Abraham, Rahab, Sarah, Gideon, Barak, all these crazy names of people. The first thing you need if you're gonna run This marathon of the Christian life is you need a cheering crowd. You need a cheering crowd. Now, back in the first century, they had local stadiums like we do, arenas like ours with tiered seats filled with people. Not exactly SoFi Stadium in LA that we're going to see tonight. Not exactly that. But there was something different in this crowd that he's talking about here, this this crowd of people that are just cheering us on in the race of the Christian life. This is not just any crowd of people. This is not just random people. This is a crowd of people that have run the race and gone before. This is like Moses up there like, go, go, go. And we look up and We see him with a staff still, like, no, I don't know if he has a staff or not, but we see the different characters of the Old Testament and the New Testament, these people that that have run the race, and they're cheering us on. Now, you could make all kinds of theologies into this, like, yeah, that's why we need to pray to them. That's why I need, we need to talk to them. Now, that's actually not what the writer is saying. He's saying, we're looking to their examples. We're looking at their lives. We're reading the Bible, and we're seeing how they lived this life of faith. We can learn from their mistakes. We can see what they did wrong. But we look to their examples in the crowd. And it inspires us to keep running, keep going. We look up at Rahab, and she's cheering us on, and we're like, wow, she was a prostitute. I have, she had a checkered past like me. I can't let this guilt from my past get me down. I have to keep running. Rahab's like, yes, keep going. Or we're running, and maybe Sarah was into her 90s with infertility. Like, Wow. You look at her, and we learn from her life, Hebrews 11, that God is faithful. That's what she believes. So we look at her, and we say, wow, I'm really struggling with this season of life that I don't understand, but I'm going to keep going. She believed God's faithfulness. Or We're running, and we see Moses, and we're like, he's he's not even a handsome guy. He's just a schmo. (laughs) He's like, he talks about his own speech impediment. He's like cheering you on with his, you're like, well, that's Moses? Like, God can use him to part an ocean, a sea. He can use me. I'm going to keep going. Right? You look to their examples. You read the scriptures, and you see, like, yourself in these stories. And it encourages you as they cheer you on. The second thing, he says, so let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. The hindrance here. Is, is any kind of weight, any kind of weight that's holding you down. And then he says, we got to get rid of the sin that ensnares us. Now, here's what I learned as I was studying this. This is a thing. They used to run naked in their races, okay? That was just their Olympics, right? They ran nude, all right? So he's saying, he's kind of like, the ensnaring would be a reference to like, Your robe, nobody would run in a robe, right? This thing's getting tangled around your legs and you're trying to run and you're just getting caught up in your own clothing. You're not gonna run a race in steel-toed boots, right? In your Carhartts, in your flip flops. With your purse, okay, my mom's purse. That thing had everything in it. Like, mom, can I get a Kleenex? Yeah, can I get some gum? Yeah. She's putting on makeup, pulling makeup out of there. I'm like, can I get a ham sandwich? Totally. It's just whatever. It's, it's coming out of the purse, right? But you can't run a marathon with your purse. Uh, he's saying, get, get rid of the things that are weighing you down. I was going to make this point run naked, but let's go with this one, point two. Running shoes. You got to have running shoes. Let's, I like that better. Running shoes. You gotta have the right clothing on and you just don't need more than you need to run the Christian life. It's gonna be hard to run drunk. It's gonna be hard to run with bitterness and rage and anger and greed weighing you down. And he says it so easily ensnares us. That hymn we sing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Oh, I just, I know this, like I am one decision away from ruining my life. Right? Oh, if I just click on that, that seems like a good idea. Right? That will just, oh, it so easily ensnares us. We feel it. But notice the that Hebrews distinguishes between. General hindrances and sin. Do you see that? Lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles. Two different things. It's interesting, when Jesus talks about the things that cause people to fall away from their faith, in Luke twenty-one thirty-four, he says their hearts get weighed down with the anxieties of life. That's what takes people out of the race. The anxiety, weighed down, that's like Hebrews 12 language, with the anxieties of life. We were in a, our elder meeting, and, and one guy was saying when he first started uh, working, you know, just fresh out of college, first job, he was there, it was, they had a huge project it was like 4.30 or 5, and when people would usually start wrapping up and leaving, and one of the older guys comes by, and he's like hard at work, like, we're going to get this project done. one of the older guys in the company walks by on his way out, and he looks at him, he says, everyone will come to a point in their career where they will have to make a choice. You will either choose your career or your family. Choose wisely, and then he walked out the door. Doesn't every stage of life have that same choice? Studying, I'm, I'm a med student, I gotta study, I, I can't do that thing because I, I gotta study. Or, you know, I'm in school, really hard major, and you know, you know how this goes, right? Because it's, I got to study and then in the next stage of life, it's like, oh, would love to do that, but man, we've got, we've got kids and can't find babysitters and and then it's, ah, work's been really busy, can't do that, dot, I got my day gets started so early, I don't really have time to read my Bible. And it's a really important job. You probably don't get it because yours isn't quite as important as mine. And so, you know, and then it becomes like oh, I've been up all night with, with infants and kids, toddlers. We're going through the terrible twos. Sorry, I can't be there. Uh, youth sports, youth sports. Now, there's a good excuse. I mean, all those other ones were like, yeah, but you don't understand this AAU. This is like an elite team. I know your kids, they're not as gifted as, Mm-mm. but, you know, if we're going to want them to get to the NBA uh, or uh, the European Soccer League, it's like, I don't even know what, whatever leagues those are. And and uh, uh, Ryan, you're really disappointed with me right now. I'm so sorry. I was just, I couldn't think of Champions League or whatever. Uh but they're, they're going to be really good at soccer. They're special talent. One of, the, one of the guys in the circle on Monday morning at elder meeting, uh, he, his kids were in this like, very elite soccer club. And he said, I just told the coach, oh, yeah, my kids won't be there on Sunday morning. And the coach is like, what? Y- yeah, they just won't be there. Like, we go to church on Sunday morning, so tournaments or whatever. Um, I'm like, well, how did the coach respond? Well, he didn't like it. Maybe it causes your kids some playing time. But those are the kinds of decisions you have to make. Your choice, right? But it's hard to run with too much weight, unnecessary weight. That Okay, are all those things sinful? No, of course not. How about this? Answer this question. Are these things sinful? Gaming, social media, Instagram. TikTok, you're like, you've crossed a line. Yes. Okay. Uh, What? There's other ones. Uh, There's new apps coming out. I just learned a new one this week. I won't talk to you about it because I don't want you to, I don't want to trip you up. Guys, what about games, little apps on your phone? Guys, boggle. Okay, boggle. Some of you are like, you're getting old and that's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, boggle, playing boggle with friends. Ask my wife how much that just helped our marriage. You know, me playing boggle, I'm like, she's like, Mark, what's going on? I'm like, Aunt Barb is beating me. And I can't let this happen. Like, I got to get better at this. Like, okay, you get it, right? All the things. Sometimes I feel like we are running a marathon in Disneyland. And we're like running, like funnel cake, Cotton candy and run up all this stuff, and we forget we're even running a marathon. That's life being a Christian in America. We need to set aside the stuff that's entangling us. What do you need to rid yourself of this morning? Who do you need to mute? unfollow, unsubscribe from, go through your phone and find out what are the things that are weighing me down. Is this 24-7 news cycle helping the peace of Christ reign in me or is it creating more anxiety? Yeah, we gotta evaluate our lives, take a good hard look at how we are running our race and what is weighing us down. And he says, let us run. Let us. The we, us, our language is on repeat throughout this whole thing. You may have noticed that. Let us run this race. The third thing we need if we're gonna run this race of the Christian life is we need running mates. The context here, if you look back, the verse right before that chapter break since God had provided this is a chapter eleven verse 40 since God had provided something better for us so that they those Old Testament characters would not be made perfect without us. Jeff referenced this last week what's the what's going on here the context he's saying there's a unity and continuity of Believers from the Old Testament to the New Testament. They wouldn't be perfect without us. Like, we are saved by the same gospel. We are one with them. We are members of one body with them. Heirs together with them. But we are not just It's not just you alone in the arena running around the track with all these Old Testament characters cheering you on. No, he's saying, now he turns it from them to us that are running the race right now. So we have each other in the race. People that are alive. I can't talk to Moses, but I can talk to you. And I want to talk to you because you're older than me and you've experienced some of the same things that we've experienced. We're running together, let us run the race. Marked out for us. We already have seen this language in chapter 10, let's spur each other on to love and good works. Let's not neglect meeting together. We, we need each other, we can't stop meeting together. In Chapter 12 verse 12 he's going to say, "Hey, strengthen your your feeble knees, keep going, keep running. We have each other." Question here is, are you running alone? You won't run very far if you're running alone. And if you're struggling, There's somebody that would gladly slow down their pace and run with you. It's okay. We'll we'll help you get through today if you need that. But it is on you to reach out. Hey, I can you pray for me? I need someone to run with. That's The third thing we need, the fourth thing, he says, let us run, how? With endurance, the race that lies before us. What is endurance? Endurance is steady determination. This is not a sprint. Endurance is not a sprint. Endurance is something you need when you're going a long way, and it's really hard The fourth thing we need is a steady pace. A steady pace, steady being constant. I keep going, I keep doing this, it's constant. I don't feel like running, but I know I can't trust my emotions because nobody would ever finish a race without endurance. If every runner just gave into their feelings, there would never be someone that crosses the finish line. Because you always hit a point. Talk to someone who's run a marathon, right? Not me, but somebody out here has, right? And they talk, you hit the wall or something they talk about. It's like you have to fight through the emotions. I feel like giving up, but I keep going, I keep running. How many days do you feel like not going to work? But you do it, right? You do it. It's life. You you keep running. You keep going. But many of us are in a really hard season of life, right? And some of you might be thinking, "Will this ever end? This thing that I'm going through, right? Will it ever end?" We're in the screaming infant stage, and I'm up through the night, will this ever end? We're in the next stage, screaming toddlers through the night, will it ever end? Sick toddlers, right? We're in the teenager stage, right? They want to talk at 11 p.m. when you're going to bed, right? That's when they come alive, and, and you're like, will this stage ever end? You're you're working through challenges. It's winter. That's hard. It's hard to keep going, It's hard to endure. A steady pace, what does that look like? How do you keep a steady pace? Practically, you do the next thing. That's what endurance is. That's what a steady pace is. You just do the next thing. And you celebrate the fact that you did it. I got out of bed. That's amazing. I took the next step. And then I ate breakfast. And that was the next step. And then you drink your coffee. And then you open your Bible. And then you do the next thing, right? Take a shower, feed the baby, whatever that is. In what area of your life do you need Endurance. And he goes on, he's, well, he says in, in, in chapter 12, verse 12, I reference this. He's telling them, strengthen your, your weak knees. You gotta keep going. You gotta keep running. You gotta endure. If you are a Christian, it's time to walk and run in faith. You guys have heard the footprints in the sand poem, right? I had this dream, and in the dream, I was on the beach, and I see two, foot, two sets of footprints in the sand, right? And I realized it was God walking with me. And then I looked, and in my dream, during the hardest parts of my life, there were only one set of footprints, And I said, Lord, did you abandon me? And the Lord said, no, those were the times I was carrying you. Isn't that so sweet? But that, there's some truth to that, right? We can find verses that would say, yeah, there's times God carries us. But that's not Hebrews 12 language. And if you have this up in your house, you don't need to take it down. But I do kind of want to make fun of it real quick. Um, (laughs) Someone made like a parody of this that kind of fits the tone of Hebrews 12 a little be- better. Um, it says this, one night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. But then some stranger prince appeared and I asked the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they're too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow. The walk of faith, you would not know. So I got tired, I got fed up, and there I dropped you on your butt. (laughs) Because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb, when one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand. (laughs) There it is. Boom. Just... There you are. Hebrews 12 is like, don't leave butt prints in the sand. Keep going. Keep walking. Take the next step. So how do we not leave those big round butt prints in the sand? Verse 2, here's how we do it. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Verse 3, consider him. This is the word for like analyze, look at, do the calculations. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. Consider Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. That was such a great song for us this morning. Another great song to have in your heart this week. Jesus is not just another person cheering in the crowd. Like, whoa, I think that's Jesus. No, he's at the finish line and you're 100% focused on him. What's our tendency? Our natural tendency is not to look at Jesus. Our tendency is to keeping our eyes on the people around us. Wait, they're, hey, they're not going, they stopped running. They're not doing the Christian life thing anymore hey they're on Facebook saying stuff and I don't know and we're we're running and we're looking at the people around us no 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 don't do that uh what about this keeping our eyes on ourselves let us run with perseverance oh that doesn't work right too much introspection being trapped in your own thoughts that sounds like torture Right at 3 a.m., I don't know if I have any rational thoughts. I don't know if I'm a Christian at 3 a.m. I don't, I want to quit ministry. I'm dreaming about what other jobs I can get. Right? We don't keep our eyes on other people, keeping our eyes on ourselves, keeping our eyes on our circumstances. Let us run with perseverance. No, no, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Consider him, get your eyes off of others and yourself and to Jesus who, look, endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't go weary and give up. The fifth thing you need to run the Christian Life Marathon is a path to follow, a path to follow. This is how he did it. He suffered, he faced affliction, opposition, but this is the path of the pioneer Right? You're not going to go anywhere that Jesus has not already gone. So just follow his path, find his path. Sometimes it's obvious and unmissable, like a six-lane interstate freeway. (laughs) Other times it feels like a deer trail through the woods. But we, we follow the path, right? We follow the path that Jesus laid out for us. He's the pioneer. We can think, oh, there's a shortcut. Wait, I don't have to suffer. I'm gonna take this easy way out. Do I really need to sacrifice? Do I really need to die to this desire? Because this desire feels like it's part of who I am. I don't wanna suffer, and so we take shortcuts. He says, no, look at Jesus. Follow the path of Jesus. We have to remember, and four years ago, I told this story, Uh, I I just, I love this, I couldn't resist, Brian Dermody, Coach Dermody told me this story, and uh, you can't talk about marathons and running without talking about Rosie Ruiz. You guys know Rosie Ruiz? Any of you alive back in 1980? Fastest female time in Boston Marathon history. She ran an amazing race. But observers noticed something strange after the race. This is a quote. Quote, Ruzi wasn't panting or coated in sweat. Her thighs were much flabbier and fatter than would be expected from a world-class runner. They tested her heart rate afterwards, and it was really low. When asked by a reporter why she did not seem fatigued after the grueling race, she said, I got up with a lot of energy this morning. Truth is, Rosie Ruiz didn't run 26.2 miles. She found an easier way to run the marathon. She ran for a little bit, and then she hopped on the subway. And, wrote. and when she saw some of the other contestants come in, she popped out of the crowd and just ran her little heart out for a quarter of a mile. And she crossed that finish line as a true champion. Why fight your natural desires when God, he just wants you to be you? Like, you shouldn't have to suffer through this. Why suppress your desires? Why take up your cross? Just take the easy way. Why run through the horrid Boston conditions, headwind, cold, up heartbreak hill when you can just catch the subway? No, Hebrews 12 is saying, there's a course that Jesus has marked out for us. Don't be a fraud, follow his path. Look at Jesus. Jesus. And the last thing, and this is the why question, because we've been talking about how to run the race, but we really haven't answered the question, why would anyone do this? For the joy. You see that? For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Yes, it was terrible enduring the cross, but there was joy that motivated him to keep going. So the last thing we need if we're going to run the Christian life is we need a reason to run. I said my bucket list is to never run a marathon, but if you said, hey, Mark, actually, I'll pay you a million dollars to do it my hardened heart gets soft really quick. <laughs> and I promise you, there is a dollar amount that makes a marathon worth it, right? There's a, some, some, at some point, there's a dollar amount that's like, all right, fine, I'll do it. Because the whole time I would be running, I would be running with the joy set before me. I would hit, the, that wall would be no problem if I'm thinking about all the stuff I'm gonna do with my money, so, what was the joy that was before Jesus? It was the triumph of God's purpose in suffering being accomplished, namely, the salvation of sinners, the resurrection of dead bodies, redemption, recreation crushing Satan and bringing many to glory to enjoy the eternal pleasures at his right hand, the psalm that the New Testament writers, Psalm 16, talk about when they talk about Jesus' death and resurrection. There was a joy before Jesus. Yes, he was grieved to the point of death, but why didn't he call on the angels to defend him? Because he knew that he needed the cross before the crown. Why would anyone choose to run this agonizing Christian marathon? For the joy set before us, we endure. If you have forgotten about the joy, for me, if I'm running that marathon and I forget about the money, I just need somebody to run with me and just say, million dollars million dollars, million, yeah, keep going, keep going. Like, what if he's not gonna give it to me? Like, just trust, go, keep going, right? We need people to whisper, like, heaven is coming. This isn't all there is. Sorrow lasts for the night. Joy comes in the morning. Let's do the next thing. Let's keep going. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's keep remembering why. If you don't know your why, you're probably gonna stop running. Do you believe that eternity is gonna make all your suffering worth it. That's the way we run. Let's pray together. Jesus, I wanna pray specifically for the people this morning that don't know if they can keep running. because they're so tired, they're so scared, they're so hopeless. (sighs) Jesus, you're the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The gospel, the good news for us is that you have done it. The good news for us is that you already ran the race, you already accomplished it, that we are not alone. So please, Jesus, encourage them. Meet with them right now. Just right now in this moment. And some people are at home in their bed watching. Some people are who knows where, maybe listening to this or after the fact. All of us that are here present, we just ask that you would meet us, especially those that feel like quitting. And some this morning, I pray that some that have never even started the race we'll choose to follow you, Jesus. We need you, Lord, help us to keep running with endurance the race marked out for us. In Jesus' name, amen.